Yo, welcome to Voice Acting Up, a podcast where I interview working voice actors who are working their way up. I'm Sean Rohani, and this week we chat with Isaac Robinson Smith. Somehow he's managed to squeeze like 1,000 years of performance experience into 30 years of life. He's worked at Disneyland, basically every performance job at Universal Studios, and talks about how those and many other life experiences were monumental in his work as a voice actor, which can be heard on your favorite cartoons, at parks, commercials, and for the next 36 hours. Here, I don't know why I went into David Attenborough. <laughs> So the first question I always like to ask is, well, it's a two-parter. One, what's okay. the very first voiceover gig you've ever booked? And two, what are some of your favorite gigs or even just session experiences you've had that you can talk about? Oh, that's a great question. Um, very first gig I ever booked. Um, let's see. I think it was um, my very first job was for Walt Disney Imagineering back in 2012, um, which that was incredible because i i think i've i've i haven't said it on this but in a few other places i love working for that company i've worked for them in multiple capacities over the last decade um and so uh the way it happened was i was hosting i was a character host for about a year almost at disneyland which those are the people that like stand with the characters and like you know help the lines and get the autographs taken care of and the photos and all that Cool. And it was a really fun job. It was my first job at the park. And they had a voiceover class that was offered because Disney has this cool thing called um, Cast Conservatory where you can take classes from different people in the arts and different disciplines, like people that are dancers. Like they had like the Lion King company would come through and they would do like a workshop on choreography for musical theater and like nice. improv workshops. So it's all for free too, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and they had a voiceover workshop from my friend Brian Nevsky, who's the casting director of Imagineering and uh, – I became friends with him after that workshop. And that's how I also met. I, I'm not part of um, CESD, but I met Pat Brady at CESD because she had a workshop about agents and voiceover at that same, in that same window for cast members. So that's awesome. this is like my first window into how it all works. <laughs> and after I talked to him, I, I just emailed him every couple of weeks and I was like, I'm still interested. I'm really serious about this career. And if there are any projects or auditions I could participate in or be part of, like, it'd be great. And he started sending me some stuff. And then eventually in... I think it was like maybe a year or two after that initial class, he had been sending me things and we'd stayed in contact. And then in my Spanish class of all places in my last year of college, I opened up my computer to get like my homework out or whatever, my assignment. And I saw an email from Brian and it said, um, I have a, I have a job for you for Walt Disney world for this thing called agent P's world showcase adventure. If you want it. And I was like, of course I want it. <laughs> yes. So, um, I it, I just did a bunch of various voices for that. Uh, it's like a mobile game attraction. It used to be you had to go like check out a phone and like go around Epcot and play it. But mm-hmm. now you can just do it all on your cell phone because everybody has smartphones. But it's cool because it's like an interactive detective game where you like get clues and you have to go up to different pavilions and interact with stuff and things will pop up in the windows or you'll see certain visuals or characters will talk to you, tell you where to go next. And mm-hmm. yeah, so, but it was awesome because I got to go inside of Imagineering and record it there. They have their main studio A, I think is what it is. And it's got, you know, Mickey Mouse holding a microphone in the carpet. And it's where <laughs> a lot of the major voiceover for Disney attractions and shows gets recorded and mixed. So it's just cool to be in that space. But yeah, mm-hmm. that was my first experience in a real voiceover setting. <laughs> that so. is an awesome first experience. Yeah, and it was crazy. <laughs> I, I have to ask, since you found out in your Spanish class once you read that email, did you scream in Jubilee in Spanish? 
I, I you should have. I, yeah, no, <laughs> I should have done that. Um, I kept it to myself. I was just, I, I was just, I don't think I paid attention, honestly. I think I was just thinking about that the whole time. But uh, yeah, that would have been great. That's awesome. And like yeah. when you were, you know, in contact with him and expressing serious interest in voice acting, at that point, did you have anything like a demo or anything like that? Nothing. No, I had been taking classes consistently and I had been going to different areas of, or been going to different avenues of information, I guess, but no, I didn't have a demo. I didn't have representation. I just had my interest, my initial, you know, skills that I had and my, um, my, my will to keep going and the knowledge. I just, I, I followed the, the instinct that I knew that there, this, this lit me up in a way I hadn't experienced before voiceover. And I knew that for a really long time, like, cause I had done things for friends and I had, you know, done voices and things, but, mm-hmm. um, I just, there really, it really didn't feel like another option as far as things to do. Cause it was just like, this just makes sense to me. So hmm. I didn't have anything going in, but Brian believed in what I could do. And he, I had grown up listening to those announcements of the park. So I could like pretty uh, easily imitate them or, or copy that kind of sound. So he recognized something in me that said this, this guy can do this job. And so I really have him to thank for really starting my career, which is great. That's awesome. And you you mentioned like this was specifically for attractions and that sort of thing. Now you've done all kinds of voice acting for video games, animation, whatever the case may be. But yeah. So now that you have that experience, is there a notable difference in how you would like approach an audition or even a session for attractions versus like animation? Um, I think it's just, I think it's all kind of the same thing. I don't really have any delineation, of course, style delineation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. When I'm going into like animation versus like commercial or promo or whatever. Right. Um, but what's really special about, I guess if we're talking about just this, like Disney attractions and things like that, what's really special about it to me is the park means a lot to me for a lot of reasons. And I don't think I treat it. I think I treat it just as I would like a character in an animated um, setting because it's a character that's being brought to life. But what's also great about it is kind of like in an animated setting, millions of people are going to experience this thing that I'm recording for. And it's going to be there like Disney attraction spiels get like the Haunted Mansion is something that's like infamous now. So (laughs) to just know that I'm approaching something that could have that potential reach for decades, like even beyond my life, like that's. There's a little extra, just not extra excitement, but there's just kind of a different kind of excitement that goes into it. Cause I know that this is going to be something that's going to last for a really long time in a way that's different than any other kind of voiceover. Yeah. Which is cool that I got to do that first. So I had that to go in and then just use that in my other various things that I've experienced. Definitely. That's, so. that's a super cool introduction to the industry. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. So yeah. I have, and we'll get into this a little bit more because obviously we've touched a lot on Disneyland and I've had right. other guests that have worked at Disneyland. So I have my theories that I want you okay. to <laughs> go over, <laughs> debunk or agree with. But okay. before we get into that, um, what what was your upbringing like? What, what's your origin story? Where did you grow up? I grew up in Sacramento. Uh, so Northern California. Uh, according to my mom, we're fifth generation native Californians. So we've been here for a long time. Um, and I got really lucky with how I was introduced to this whole thing because my mom has been part of the theater community for her entire life. She was an actor and then she taught theater for Mm. a long time and she just retired actually recently. Um, she, uh, Sac State is my hometown college. I didn't go to Sac State, but Mm. she went there and taught there. So 
the, her cumulative time over that was 50 years. They gave her like a framed like document that said, congratulations on 50 years at Sac State. That's amazing. Um, from her time she went to the time she finished teaching. Mm-hmm. So, but she introduced me to the stage when I was really little and I grew up like, you know, listening to vinyl records of musical theater and which I, you know, I did a lot of musical theater in high school and college. And um, so I really don't remember a time when I wasn't in some sort of performing uh, space because at some point each of her four children have done something artistic or still do. Hmm. Um, you know, I just, I'm the only one here in LA doing this, but like my brother did musical theater and did some, some stuff on stage. And now he's a anchor for the news so that he'd got a degree in journalism. My sister, Emily was a, a professional dancer for a while. And now she owns her own massage therapy business. My sister, Sarah, um, has her doctorate in theater and she's the dean of a college up in Canada. And so like we all do various different things, but it all anchored to the theater. So that's really where it started was just having this huge and amazingly wide and supportive um, space to do performance um, mm-hmm. ever since I was little. And then I I really don't know where the voiceover started. I, um, I started imitating voices when I was like two years old. Um, and... My brother and I would play with each other. That's kind of the, where it really started to like get into storytelling was we loved like Muppet Babies. We loved Star Wars. We loved Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh, all these shows on TV. And we would just spend hours basically improvising, using the character voices um, and creating our own stories. And it was just something that I liked to do with him. It wasn't really anything that was like a career or anything like that. But mm-hmm. um, but then there was one moment where it really turned for me where as far as uh, performance, my mom took me to this thing called Celebration Arts when I was little, and it was led by this man named James Wheatley, who taught theater for kids. And two things were really amazing about that experience. One was he was a black man, and me being a black performer, it was great to see someone that looked like me on the stage doing what I wanted to do, because that's not something that I really saw very much, even around before after that experience right so that was really impactful for me but then also he showed me my first magic trick which i'd never seen magic before mm-hmm. and when he did it i was so amazed it was a really simple one but when I, he did it i was so amazed by what i felt and what i saw i in that moment i realized i was like i want to give that feeling to other people i want to do that for <laughs> everyone else and i didn't really know what that meant at the time but I just knew, I mean, it spawned my interest in magic. I did magic forever and I still do it occasionally. That's um, awesome. I was going to ask yeah. if you learned that trick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, I did. Um, so several years went by and I was doing theater and I was doing musical theater. I got lucky. I went to a music, I went to a um, uh, performing arts high school. So like my graduating class was only like 60 and hmm. art, we didn't have any PE. We had dance class for our PE. So it was like, you have to take two years of dance to fulfill your PE credits, things like that. Oh, wow. It was great. Um, <laughs> And we had like really unique classes. Like we had a 3D computer animation class that I took in high school. It was just <laughs> this awesome. really unique experience. Um, was it using Maya? That's the only 3D no, animation program. No, uh, Lightwave was what we used. Okay, cool. Yeah. So I think that's the same program that I think Jimmy Neutron used, I think. Um, <laughs> so I did all these really fun things in high school. And throughout, I would I started to get to know people by doing magic. That was my first icebreaker, but then it slowly became doing voices. Cause my friends just found, I just, I was pretty not shy, but just, I'd never really like shared that part of myself. Cause I didn't think it was anything super special. And then when I started doing voices, I slowly became known around school as the guy that did voice impressions. Hmm. And it's still at that point was like, Oh, it's this cool thing. It's this trick that I can do. I have a good ear for sound and music and I can do that. But where it really changed for my career career and like where my life really shifted was when I saw um, 
the episode of uh, Inside the Actor Studio with the Simpsons cast. And I had watched The Simpsons as a show everybody loves, or most people, and I loved it. And I never really made the connection about human beings doing the voices. I just loved the show so much and thought it was so funny. And I did the voices for my friends. But then one Sunday when we were watching the show on the other channel on Bravo, they at the same time they were showing the cast of The Simpsons being interviewed by James Lipton on Inside the Actors Studio. And never having seen voice actors do voices before, it was like the most glorious <laughs> revelation <laughs> I've ever had. Um, and I was like, oh, everything just kind of like like fused in that one moment. Like it was like, oh, my love of theater and my love of voices and performing, like it all fits in this thing that I didn't know existed, which is voice acting. And so that was the turning point for doing the career. And so from then on in college and all that, leading up to my first gig, I was researching. I bought my first microphone, which is like a just a little blue snowball USB. Nice. I was on voice123.com like auditioning and I was showing my friends my voices and I put a video on YouTube like 13 years ago now that actually still gets me work weirdly. It's, wow. it's like an 11 minute impressions video, but it led to, and we can get to it later, but one of the biggest jobs of my life from them seeing like, yeah, we saw your video and you do a lot of voices. So we thought, you know, we'd hire you on this thing. So <laughs> that was crazy. But anyway, uh, that's kind of the, the, the truncated <laughs> version of, yeah. uh, of how it all happened. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's yeah. amazing. I, and I appreciate that for you, like you have these concrete sort of aha moments. Like, I feel like sometimes I was slapped in the face with these moments and I still was like, eh, I don't know about that. Like, <laughs> right. uh, like it <laughs> yeah. wasn't, it was literally cause I saw that, um, that Inside the Actor Studio episode and was blown away by it. I've seen other things by voice actors I was blown away by. It. But for me, it was literally, I was working as a PA on Randy Cunningham, Ninth Grade Ninja. Yeah. And I sat in on a voice a recording session that where John DiMaggio and Kevin Michael Richardson were and like had to see it in person to realize like, oh, this, one, they're superstars and amazing. But two, like this is an actual like, tangible career like i'm seeing it yeah an actual session that's what finally yeah <laughs> smacked me upside the head yeah right right <laughs> but that's cool so i'm curious i'm going to backtrack a little bit because yeah. you know you got that theater and the arts influence from your mom was there and all of your siblings did but i've heard some people say like when when their parents are one thing they sort of rebel against that and try something else. Like, was there any inclination of that by you or your siblings? Or why do you think you all latched on to the arts? I don't know, really. I think it's just been such, so much part of the fabric of our family for so long. There was zero resistance. It was like, oh, yeah, you're going to school to get a theater degree. Oh, yeah, you're doing that. Like, there was never any, like, have a backup plan or maybe think about this or try this other job it was consistently yeah that's that's what you're supposed to do or that's what you're meant to do there was mm -hmm. um my mom has been um and my family have been incredibly supportive of each other and the lucky thing is, is we're all good at what we do so it's not like it's any there there really wasn't any danger of anybody really failing in what they wanted to do so i think that i i feel consistently privileged to be in the family that i'm in because of that reason so i was never met with any resistance at all which is great mm -hmm. Yeah, that's yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, um, and you, you'd also gone to performing arts uh, high school. So yeah. what I read up, which every time because I, I spent most of my childhood in this city, but anytime I have a guest that went to the school, it blows my mind for whatever reason. But <laughs> you went to UCI, yeah, um, which is in the beautifully boring city of Irvine. Yeah, um, <laughs> yep. <laughs> so 
like like I recently spoke with uh, Caitlin Robrock, and she's from San Diego, yeah. but she went to UCI also. So it's a smaller trek for her. But what made you decide to go from from the Bay Area down to UCI? Well, I wanted to go to a this. It's a selfish reason, but I I wanted to be close to Disneyland <laughs> because I wanted to go to the park. Also, my original, my dream school was CalArts, and uh, okay. I got into CalArts, actually. I got into their vocal department um, as a singer, wow. and then it was quickly thrown in our faces, the reality of $50,000 a year to go to the school, and so we couldn't do it, even with the scholarship that I got, which wasn't very much. Mm-hmm. Um, so the other choice was UC Irvine that I got into, and I'd heard really good things about their musical theater program, which is a big focus of mine for a while. So that just kind of made sense, and it seemed like a good fit, and we went down and visited. Also, my best friend, uh, Becca, of who's also an actor, um, she lives like three miles away from me, but we've known each other for 16 years. She's been my best friend since ninth grade. So another mm-hmm. bonus is she was going to UC Irvine, so it's like having someone to automatically be part of my community going to this college was also a big lift for me. Um, but it ended up being the best possible decision. The department was great. The training was awesome. The friends that I made were lifelong and the things that I learned just as a person were really, really useful. So initially I was kind of like, oh, UCI, all right, I guess I'll go there. It's, you know, it's close enough to what I want, but it ended up being the perfect choice. So (laughs) that's awesome. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And I I don't know why, like, I didn't grow up knowing that about UC Irvine, but I'm hearing it more and more that they have a good theater scene, a great musical department. Um, Again, it's just like, I've said this before, but growing up in Irvine, because it's like a fairly new city yeah it gives you the ability to act like you're a crotchety 80 year old man by saying like when (laughs) i was a kid there was only this gas station in that place right you know so right (laughs) but it's gotten very big very fast but um yeah yeah so anyways you said one of the reasons you came down was because you want to be close to disneyland yeah um and you obviously worked at disneyland so how did you end up working at disneyland well i got an audition or actually, no, I didn't get. I saw an audition. I'd been trying to work for the park forever. I like, I was, I was at the point where I was like, I'll be in um, custodial if you want me to be. I didn't care. I just wanted to go to Disneyland for free and work at the park because I just loved it so much. And then in 2010, I just went to I think maybe my third or fourth character host audition, um, which that was an. I didn't realize how lengthy the auditions were until I sort of went into it but these things at disneyland especially can last like seven hours like it wow. you've got to bring a snack or something because it's long mm-hmm. um because there's hundreds of people that show up to these things but at the end of the day they finally brought like eight of us into a room and said we'd love you to be hired if you are interested in the job and we were all super excited that we got the job and um so it was just it was just kind of like anything i just went to an audition with a bunch of people and um for the character hosting, the biggest thing was uh, story because they're all about wanting the story to be uh, continuous and themed correctly to wherever you are. It was a lot of seeing what we could do in situations where uh, story was integral to keeping the an interaction alive and the interaction real and everything, which is great training for me because it kind of is something that I use now because it's storytelling is obviously something that's integral to what we do. Yeah. But th- so that's how I got my very first job. And then for after that, for a couple of years, I did uh, the Turtle Talk with Crush show at California Adventure. Um, oh, nice. Yeah, which is awesome. Then I left Disneyland for three years and went to Universal to become a tour guide. Um, wow. And became a tour guide. And then I moved on to do several entertainment roles there. And in tandem, then got hired back at Disneyland again as a Dapper Dan. And then I worked at both parks doing multiple roles for about three years or so. And then I... Finally left Universal uh, last November, and now I've just been exclusively at the park. And I'm currently furloughed at the moment, so 
Mm-hmm. Not working, I but see, yeah. still, yeah. Yeah, it's sad that they had to let go of so many people. So yeah, furloughed is better than, than than that option. Yeah, yeah, but hopefully not for much longer. But yeah. um, man, I'm trying to decide how many hours I want to spend just talking about Disneyland <laughs> and Universal. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a lot to tell. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So like, well, I'll go back to the character auditions. So okay. uh, obviously, it's it's not the same as voice acting. But what exactly is the audition process? You said it's very long. Like, do you have a, a base script or is it all sort of off the cuff based on like an outline? Yeah. Well, as a character host, uh, it's, it's different than like going in for, um, a character audition or a character host audition because you're sort of the ambassador to the character you're with and the park in general, the first mm-hmm. round is it's, it's very quick. It's, it's almost like a dance call sort of, or like, um, something else where they line you up and they kind of, um, cut based off of certain qualifications or certain things they see. But the first call was we were we lined up in lines of I think I it's hard to remember now but we were like in lines of five and each of the people would be asked your name and something interesting about yourself hmm. and so when they got to me I said I my name is Isaac Robinson Smith and I do a really good Mickey Mouse impression and I think I was the only one that did a voice in the thing so huh. here's voice acting saving my life again but I but I did it and the whole room like cheered for me, which is really gratifying. And then, nice. you know, that led to the second round, which was kind of the story. It's like, all right, one of you is going to start a story. Then the next person is going to continue. Then the next person is going to continue. But because there are so many people, they have to do different groups at a time and they have to like write down their decisions at that. So it's like, you know, it's a lot of waiting, essentially, is where the time comes in. And then the mm-hmm. auditioners all have to go for lunch at one point. So like there's a point where they're like, all right, we're going to break from like 12 to 1245. So stay here. You can go get a snack over here. But it was all super exciting because, you know, I'd never been backstage at the, at Disneyland before. So that was a yeah. new experience. <laughs> but yeah, so after that, then they kind of just kept whittling it down, whittling it down. And then eventually they, like I said, they asked the like seven or eight of us that were at the end if we wanted jobs. So not a whole lot of content, just a lot of waiting and specific things to, because they know exactly what they want. They have it down to a science for what they need. That's cool. So uh, so yeah, I, I mentioned early on, I, I wanted to talk about some theories specifically about people who've worked at Disneyland because, well, one, you must have worked directly with Joe Hernandez, yes. who was another, who was crushed. Yeah. yeah. So that's amazing. Yeah. It was you, Joe and Caitlin Robrock that, that have all worked at Disneyland yes. that I've spoken with. Yeah. And I, and it seems like a lot of people that work at Disneyland, this is my theory, end up making great voice actors. And so I try to ask them, like, why do you think that is? You've been the most specific because you brought up, like, some of the, the free training that they offer and, and you know, Pat Brady coming in one day talking about what it's like to be an agent yeah, and that sort of right. thing. So is there anything else that you can think of that might have helped you, like, working at Disneyland, helped your voice acting career? I think a big one is probably confidence and just doing what can be done in the moment and not worrying about the result because so much of my experience at the park is live performance. I think that's a huge Hmm. uh, thing for any voice actor is being in a setting of live performance because it forces you to think and act right then. You don't have a, you can't stop recording. You can't do a take two. You can't go back and listen to what happened. It's all happening right then. So I think that being in situations like that consistently over and over again, it helped me really just be in a mindset of, well, I'm going to just go for it. And there really is no reason to not do it, you know, plus you're using your voice in various ways that are sometimes conducive to good habits and voiceover, like, you know, learning how to, I mean, just on a technical level, like learning how to maintain 
your air correctly. Or like in my case, I've done improv voiceover for like for uh, Donkey at Universal and the Transformers at Universal and Turtle Talk with Crush hmm. and then singing at the park, you know, so all these ways that I just have to use my voice to protect it well. Um, and right. to just do it, to have endurance. I think that's also helped me is just to have um, voice endurance. Um, mm-hmm. And then you're just in a creative setting of storytelling the entire time. There really isn't a moment where you can or should. I, I don't think this serves anybody to kind of go, quote, like off script or off story because you're part of this story that the guests are experiencing throughout the day. So it just it locks me into a mindset of being present with whatever is going on story wise. Mm-hmm. Also, a lot of legends have worked for Disneyland that are voiceover actors. Um, like, uh, and they're, and those voices are around me all the time. Like, I can get a master class in voice acting by going on the rides at the park. I think that's a big one for mm-hmm. me. Um, what an amazing way to do homework. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, going rides, yeah. there are people that, like, uh, like my, like, I don't know, I've met him a few times, but one of my favorite voice actors um, is Corey Burton. And he's at my agency, mm-hmm. SBV, but Corey has. He's been the official voice of Captain Hook for most of his life. Um, he's the Haunted Mansion holiday voice uh, for the Haunted Mansion. Uh, he's done a lot of announcements for the park. Like he's, um, if you ever go, you'll always hear him if you go to the park because he's the one that says, "Hello, everyone, welcome aboard the Mickey and Friends tram." Like that's that's <laughs> yeah. him. And um, but he said, as a kid, he went and heard the Haunted Mansion, and he was like, "Who is that? I, I want to know who that is, and I want to know how to what to do in this business." So like. People have been inspired by the park. Um, and then one of my mentors, Bill Rogers, who's been the voice of Disneyland for 31 years, and his wife, who's the voice of California Adventure, I hear him all the time. So, like, I hear this – I hear pe- people that I admire in, like, all other areas of voiceover at some point or another have – like, Jess Harnell is most of the voices in Splash Mountain, or at least the current version. I know they're shifting it, but he's right. like Br'er Rabbit and – um so many of the animatronics, just all these things, but just to hear all these legends, basically to me giving away free um, masterclasses on character work and announcement work and narration work. Like every kind of voiceover exists in the park. So you can go to somewhere and just hear, oh, that's a mastery, masterful way to do um, a narration for this particular, you know, so all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's a long explanation, but that's kind of what I that, think. I, I regret not having a notebook handy right now because like <laughs> you, you get an A plus with that answer. That's, <laughs> that's, that boiled it down perfectly for me. And I'm glad to know that I was right in thinking that people who work at Disneyland end up making great voice actors. Yeah. But yeah. That's, <laughs> that's so cool. Um, and you'd mentioned, you know, some voice acting legends have worked at Disneyland. Obviously, some have worked at Universal, too. Yeah. By the way, the only person, I'm sure others have, but that I can think of that's worked at multiple parks is uh, Steve Martin working at Disneyland and at Knott's Berry yeah, Farm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're in good company. Yes, I feel good <laughs> about that. Yeah. <laughs> so I have to ask you, well, first of all, when you decided to work at Universal as well, uh, what motivated that decision? When I was doing Turtle Talk, I had gotten to a point creatively where there wasn't a lot more I could do with the show, at least in my own heart. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm never good at staying in one place very much or very long uh, because I'm very ambitious and I want to go and keep working and getting more stuff that propels me forward. So I had been at Turtle Talk for two years and, you know, it's a 12 minute show. And when you're doing it, you know, four times a week. Uh, or four mm-hmm. days a week, the same, you know, it's, it's amazing. And I love it. Um, but it just wasn't as fulfilling for me after a while as I wanted it to be. It was a great introduction to a lot of like improv voiceover and keeping consistent with character and how to interact with people and thinking on, on the fly and, and all this stuff and in, and digital puppetry, like that's a skill I learned from that, mm-hmm. which is 
led to many other jobs, you know, post that because I had that experience. But I just felt that I wanted to do something different. And I looked into the, I'd seen it before. I'd seen the ad for Universal Studio Tour Guide. And I originally didn't want to do it because I was like, I don't think they're going to hire me. But then it came around again and I took the job or I took the, the, I took the chance to audition and apparently my, it's actually funny. My former roommate was one of, is still one of the people working at Universal as a guide. And after the audition, he said, Hey, uh, he called me. He's like, Hey, you're actually the last one that we're calling. Um, I got your numbers mixed up in your phone number, but we would love to see you at the callback. So I went to the callback and made it through that and made it to the training. And at all of these steps, you'd not guaranteed a job as a tour guide at Universal. It's one of the caveats of the job is like, you can make it through the initial call. You get to the callback. You can make it all the way through three, three, there's three weeks of training, four days a week uh, for, you know, five, six, seven hours. And then you do a final test on the tram itself. Basically, they basically take the tram around on a tour and each person will get up um, and do like a phony, like tram part of the tour as they're going through. And that's like your final test. And if you don't pass that, then you don't get the job. So I made it to training and left Disneyland knowing that I may not have a job if I don't make it through this, this training process. So I just, you know, but I knew that I had to, to, to grow. So I, what I tell people is I, you know, quit my job at Disney, not because I didn't like it, but you know, like I said, just wanted to move on, um, mm-hmm. left my job at Disneyland to go to a city, to move to a city I'd never been to for less money with a job that wasn't even guaranteed. Um, <laughs> all of that risk didn't scare me enough to stop me. And, and I got the job. It was amazing. Universal has, supercharged my acting and my performance ability and my ability to uh, interact and, and be with people. And so I'm so happy that I took that chance. Um, mm-hmm. And, but that's what led me to universal. And then from there I did uh to see if I can remember. So studio tour guide, then I did the universal studio, the studio tour MC position, which is just like you're on the microphone near the tram, getting people on board. Um, mm-hmm. Then I did the VIP experience for a couple of years. So you know, like taking people to the actual sets and places on the lot. And then I moved to full entertainment. So I, I was Nosferatu in the House of Horrors when that existed. I did mm. Megatron and Optimus Prime in the Transformers, Donkey. Um, I was the train conductor at Wizarding World of Harry Potter, um, both hosts in the special effects show. I was a Who in Grinchmas one year. I did five years of Halloween Horror Nights. Um, oh, my gosh. And uh, I know there's something. I'm, oh, I was in the Lunar New Year celebration show with, with Poe. Or not the Poe. I can't remember his name. Kung Fu Panda. Um, <laughs> and so I did that show and then various other like special events. But yeah, so I, I was very, I was very busy at Universal for a long time. Yeah. I was going to ask. So, you know, do you feel like uh, you left your experience at Universal wishing you did more? Because it just sounds like you've hardly done it. I didn't do much. Yeah, no. <laughs> no, I actually, I got, oh my God. I did all, I did what I wanted to. When I first got there and I did my first VIP tour and I saw the special effects show for the first time, I was like, I want to do that show. That looks awesome. Just a live stage show about special effects in the movies. Yeah. And I got it. I was in the opening cast of the 2015 version, which is the new revamped version of the show that they opened. So I got to open a new show. It was it was fun every time, and I loved what I got to do. And you know, you're I'm performing in front of, you know, fifteen hundred plus people every every show. So mm-hmm. it was just cool to be in that. It just felt really good to be in that kind of space doing that show. Yeah, yeah. I was one of the volunteers selected from the audience for that special effects <laughs> show, and that felt really cool. <laughs> that's awesome. Hey, that's a great that's a great <laughs> marker. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was a lot of fun. And you mentioned well, first of all, I was saying. Uh, a lot of voice acting legends have have worked at both parks, and yeah. the biggest one I can think of for Universal is Bob Bergen. Uh, I yes. know he was the tour guide for for many years. So you said that it 
sort of supercharge your acting uh, repertoire and just your learning. So yeah. um, I, I know they have some some of the same things that Disneyland offers, right? In terms of like courses and some other things that they make available to employees. Yeah, they do. They do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So was that part of the reason that it helped, or was it mainly just like working all the different jobs you did it, at the park? It was honestly the work. It was the trial by yeah. fire. Never done this before, but gonna do it anyway because it's necessary. Kind of job. It's also like uh, kind of like problem solving was also a big piece of it and time management and relationships, relationship management, because, you know, I had multiple bosses and I had multiple people that I had to listen to and try to work with. And, you know, on the VIP tour, you're working with a different person every time to do the studio tour together. So a lot of relationship and time management and like business like mindset was kind of forced onto me in a way that really benefited what I did, how I do everything now. Um, but as far as the performance side, yeah, everything that I did was super different, really great to kind of get me used to how to do certain things and just putting myself in various situations that I wouldn't otherwise be in if I didn't work at the park. Cause it's just, you know, creatively, where else are you going to like, for example, be a monster in a, in a world, world famous Halloween event, you know, yeah. <laughs> um, even that was just interesting to learn like, Oh, now I'm, I can be, I can move really quickly and be spatially aware and not hit anybody. Like that's a skill. I don't know when I'll use that, but just stuff like that, just tools that I yeah. wouldn't have expected that I got by just doing these things. Um, Definitely. And even some jobs like, like my transformers job in donkey and especially train conductor, like for train conductor, we had a dialect coach come in every three months to do brushups on our dialects to make sure we were consistent. Mm -hmm. um, and it was mm -hmm. from somebody that, you know, uh, works and I, I think i don't remember his last name his name is pj but he does a lot of voiceover and he's in the community too D brilliant okay. with dialects um and uh yeah so just learning from him and all just all of that experience together i think just kind of pulled it all in for me yeah i mean that's definitely a master class i know you mentioned you know before you sort of became known in school uh at a young age as the guy that can do voices yeah. and stuff you were you were kind of shy right so like did you find any challenges working these jobs to your the introvert in you or were you mostly extrovert and like embraced all of these experiences meeting having to manage relationships and yeah. perform live in front of strangers I was I'm pretty I mean I realized I discovered that I actually am very extroverted but just mm. I didn't at that point in my life I didn't allow the the gifts that I had to kind of come to the surface I just kind of held them to myself I've never been bad at like making friends or like being part of groups or like that was never a problem for me, but it was just the things that I can do. I never thought were special or never thought were important. I, um, I just thought they were things that, you know, my friends enjoyed, but knowing that I had that power in me to do those things and affect people and also, you know, be okay with being good at those things and not feeling shy about that. That's the part where I felt shy. I was like, I feel bad that I have these things that I can do. And I don't really, I don't, I don't like, to, I don't like to brag in general. I'm, I'm a humble yeah. person, but, um, but it was knowing that, it was it was learning to have the confidence in what I could do to then build relationships on top of that and work with other people that were like minded. Mm -hmm. And I think just being part of different communities all the time helped me become that person. I think at first when like when I first joined Universal, for example, I was, you know, pretty sec not secluded, but I, you know, would associate with the people that I met in class or anything, but didn't take that long to like branch out. So I think I just mm -hmm. over time have learned to accelerate that process, especially in a professional environment where people need to know what you can do right off the bat without any sort of like time frame, you know, you, you got to be able to say, mm -hmm. this is who I am and this is what I do. And here's what I do really well. And here's what I can offer. And I think that process was slow before I started theme park work and now has become 
really accelerated because I now create opportunities for myself. I don't sit and wait for things to happen to me. I create awesome. things if they don't, if they're not happening, then I f- figure out a way to do it. Um, I think mm-hmm. a great way to, that I heard it said is plan A is to make it happen. And plan B is to make sure plan A works, you know? So there's <laughs> yeah, like, like a closed loop of like just consistent movement forward. Right. And I know like a, a lot of actors, you know, obviously you're getting some auditions from agents, but they get sometimes the majority of their work, they procure on their own. So yes. <laughs> um, like what are some things, how have you been able to do that uh, and just make things happen on your own? Many of these things have come from saying yes to things that I wouldn't otherwise have, you know, or just saying yes all the time. Mm-hmm. For example, I had a project, I think, man, this is in 2016, right before I signed with SBV, my agent. Um, my friend Jordan said, hey, so I'm working with this company called Super 78 Studios, and they're a theme park design company. They just won an award for their technology. They're going to be presenting it at the Thea Awards, which is basically like the Academy Awards for theme park design. They're going to have it at the Disneyland Hotel. They're looking for an actor that can do something similar to Turtle Talk, which I know you have experience in. This may not pay, but it could be really good to just start a relationship with them. So would you like to do it? And I was like, yeah, sure. I'll, I'll definitely do it. Um, the job was awesome. It did pay. And I've been working with them ever since. So it's been five, it's been five years that I've been working with them steadily. So I've done digital puppetry work. I've gotten, I've been flown out to like different places like Pixar to like demonstrate their technology for them. So I've gotten to see places I would have never seen. Um, I got to work with, um, there, there's a secret project in development with a, uh, big game show hosts that I uh, would have never met otherwise, but it's because of saying yes to that one job that that's led to that. So all these opportunities Mm -hmm. from super 78 have come out of me saying yes to this potentially non-paying gig. Similarly to uh, (laughs) it's all relationships. I found like a lot of the the big things in my life have been because of relationships and just having the wherewithal to keep my own senses about me as far as what I can do and what I can offer. But like my former roommate, um, I don't know if you know Lindsay Rousseau. She's a great voice actor. Yeah. I lived with her for a couple of years in Burbank. Oh, wow. And so (laughs) she, I have her to thank for a a huge job that I've been working on for like the last year and a half. Um, She said, hey, there's this thing that you can submit to uh, for Disney um, if you want. Here's their information. And at the time I was like, this seems kind of fake. Like there's like one email address. There's no formality about this at all. There's no audition call from my, nothing. There was like zero. Um, so I was like, this is, this sounds like some offshoot, like weird fan thing. And so I was like, okay, I'll submit for it. And I submitted, um, just my demo and I got brought into the studio a couple of weeks later um, to do, I've, I've since done a bunch of scratch for it, but I've also done a, a lot of union work. Like I've done a lot of looping and ADR for them and I've done specific nice. characters for this, um, season and, uh, you know, bigger character for the next season. But basically it's, it's still not completely real to me, but it's all becoming real over time. <laughs> um, but like when I first walked in to do some sessions for it, we were walking down the hall and they were like, so you can't say anything to anybody like at all. Cause right now this show technically doesn't exist to anybody in the world. (laughs) So, um, again, that was like, is this like a real thing? Like, I don't know. Um, it might be kidnapped. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, I was like, I'm on the Disney studio a lot. So like, it seems pretty safe, but I, uh, but, uh, but now, and I can't say publicly yet what it is that I'm involved Mm -hmm. in, but it is part of the, the huge announcement that Disney plus had 
of our the, mm-hmm. the the huge announcement that Disney had of all the things coming in the next two years. The project I'm working on is in that, and I'm incredibly excited and proud, and I can't wait to talk about it because it's like I never dreamed of being in this particular project. That's um, awesome. But it's all from a random like, hey, this is a thing that you know may or may not do anything, but you can go for it if you want. And more often than not, it has always led to something that I didn't expect on the other side. So yeah, yeah, wow. That's uh, you know I'm happy to just keep our mics recording until you're allowed to make that announcement. <laughs> oh, great! Yeah, <laughs> <For> the... yeah. <laughs> um, fantastic. So, so obviously we got a, a little bit into uh, what you've done as a voice actor, how you've managed to get things done on your own. Yeah. Um, but when did you start making the conscious steps towards voice acting after like working at Universal? Like when when did you get the demos recorded and really start? Focusing specifically on being a voice actor, getting representation, yeah. that kind of stuff. So I would say in like 20, I would say like pretty soon after I started at Universal, after college, I would say. So I graduated in 2012 and after college, it was really like, okay, I want to do this. I remember one of the first steps I took was I took uh, classes from Mary Lynn Wisner um, back when it was VoicesVoiceCasting.com. And right. took her commercial classes and I was like, I could do all these voices and I think I'm good at what I do. And she she told me after the class, I remember her vividly saying, she's like, I got to be honest, I don't think you're ready for a demo yet. I was like, oh, man, OK. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Which is awesome of her to say, by the way, yeah. because I 100 percent felt the same way when I first wanted to record a demo. Yeah. Like the things that I prioritize were the things that don't really matter for booking right you know <laughs> yeah right um, exactly but i didn't know that yeah, yeah. so I'm, gl- I'm glad you said that i'm glad it moved me forward so i kept taking classes and after meeting with pat brady in 2010 i started to audition i auditioned for cesd i think three separate times there's not the agency hmm. i got but i love her i still love her we still talk yeah. um just every time it was it, at first, it was you're really green, and we don't really we can't use you right now. Then it, a few months mm-hmm. later, I took more classes. She was like, it's, "You're still good, but you're not quite where you need to be yet." Then the last time I took it, you know, it was like, "I really like where you are, but the whole team has to like you." So you know, you, you spread out your skills a little more. So just all of these, but it was great because she's so kind and so honest about what she was talking about. Yeah. And then I got really lucky with uh, <laughs> it's it's really funny. Uh, I took it was it was really because of Bob Bergen's class that really jumped me into the real serious. Um, mechanics of the voiceover world career hmm. because well this the how I saved up for it was kind of funny because I had some money saved for his I had signed I had called about his eight week class. Uh it was a two year wait list at that point. So I waited two years, got to the point where I could take it, sign up for hmm. it. And uh I had, you know, some of the money that I needed. I think I think the class at that point I think was eight hundred dollars for the eight weeks. And I had about three hundred dollars saved. And then I just out of complete luck what circumstance whatever fate i did a vip tour for um a a royal family uh from somewhere uh uh i forget where they were located um but it was like it was a really like just a very opulent family and each of the Mm -hmm. guides i think we all got i don't know we got a we got a very big tip at the end of our tour and it was like well here's the money that i needed for the class so uh (laughs) so i so i signed up for bob's class and had to miss like two or three of the weeks because I was doing Halloween Horror Nights at the time. So he let me make up those classes later on. And at the final class, he brought in a casting director from Disney Toon Studios, back when it was called that, uh, Jason Henkel. Um, I am in his gratitude forever as well because Jason came to listen to us read at the end of our class. And hmm. 
he told me later, he said, you were the last one to go. You didn't really say much when I was there. So I thought you were just going to be terrible. And I got <laughs> up and I did my character. And after we were leaving the class, he was driving away in his car and he stopped in the parking garage and he said, I don't know why you're not represented yet. I'm going to talk to who I know so I can get you in contact with the right people to get represented. And that representation happened to be Ference at SBV, um, my commercial agent. And so, and also up until that point, special effects show um, was a huge help financially. So I'd saved up money. So I had taken Bob's class. Jason had talked to SBV. I'd saved up and recorded my demo with Chuck Duran. And then at that, when all that came together, then I set up the meeting at SBV. They talked to me. I did a cold read, I think two or three commercials and three characters in different voices. Um, and then the next day they signed with me and that was October 2016 when that happened. So wow. it was a multi-year process to get to that moment. That's part one with Isaac Robinson Smith. I had a lot of fun chatting with him and learning about his crazy experiences and the tips that came from them. Like tip number one, find a way to get live performance experience, whether in theater or even as a Disneyland character host like Isaac. Live performance forces you to think and act in the moment with no retakes. And the more you do it, the more confidence it instills in you to commit and make bold choices. And the better your breath control and vocal endurance and basically everything that's important for voice acting will be. Two, get comfortable and concise talking about your elevator pitch and the things you can do well for others. For people like Isaac and me, it can be a challenge because you don't want to come off as a braggart, but in our industry, people need to know what you're capable of right off the bat. And three, say yes to basically every opportunity, even if it doesn't seem like a full-fledged, well-paying project. Multiple times, Isaac said yes to opportunities where pay wasn't even guaranteed, but without judgment, he was happy to get involved, and they've led to some of the biggest opportunities in his entire career. And on that note, may all you voice actors keep acting up. <laughs> 